Lecture topic. Advices to family. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihin nabin astafa. Amma ba'du fa'udu billahi minash shaytanir rajim. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Idfa' billati hiya ahsanu sayyiah. Nahnu a'lamu bima yasifun. قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم صل من قطعك واعف عمن ظلمك واحسن الى من اساء اليك او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم as time goes and as we get closer to qiyamah then this world is becoming more and more materialistic by the day. With the passing of time, the value of material things are becoming everything in the eyes of many, many people in the world. And as far as values are concerned, values that are possessed within people, values that are in the heart of a person, then the value of that is lost. Because the more materialism becomes the way of life, then for that to thrive, for that to prosper, materialism to prosper, then all these values cannot be in the way. Because these things become obstacles in the path of this materialistic lifestyle. So all these things have to then necessarily be removed, ignored. So wherever a person can find some material benefit, he would be ready for something. But if there isn't any material benefit for it, then that will be a have no attraction in it for him, he will not be interested in it, and that won't matter to him. But this is not what Deen has taught us, what we have been given by Rasulullah What we have been taught in Deen, what the lesson of the Quran and Sunnah is, that the most important thing is the Akhirat. And the primary thing to focus on is earning the Akhirat. And a person will earn his dunya also in a way that he can earn his Akhirat. Make his very earning of dunya a means of earning the Akhirat. And what he does, what he doesn't do, what he overlooks, what he forgives, what he takes note of and what he ignores, all this will be dictated to on the basis of what is in store for him in the Akhirat. So when this becomes the heart and mind of a person, then it's a very different life. Without this, the materialistic lifestyle, then we see what goes on in the world. People's lives don't matter. Doesn't matter whose life goes, how many children's lives can be lost, who can be widowed and who can be just thrown into some prison cell and forgotten for decades 
because that was becoming an obstacle in somebody's path of materialism because the material material becomes the god of the person and then to a point that family relationships that's a far away thing a person can even sacrifice his own parents also he can trample on his parents also they mustn't come in the way of his material progress and his material progress associated with that is his fun and entertainment of dunya they even his parents come in the way he'll trap them also and carry on this is the effect of this materialistic lifestyle it's all about material about valuables and about enjoying it and the fun and excitement that one can get through it but values there's no value for it so allah taala has blessed us with this way of life that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi taught us allah taala sent nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam as the most beautiful example for the whole of mankind gave him the most beautiful way of life most perfect way of life and in this most perfect way of life is way is the success of dunya also and akhirat to the extent that a person shifts away from this then akhirat is lost even dunya will be lost outwardly it might seem like something is happening but from within it will be a different picture altogether different situation completely there was a very great personality who passed away not too long ago some 20 odd years ago he passed away hazrat maulana abul hasan ali nadwi rahmatullah alay many would have perhaps heard his name very very prolific author many kitabs he had written and was a very great personality very great alim very highly regarded in the indo pak subcontinent and even throughout the arab world and he was in his time given the the king faisal award for the service to deen king faisal award for the service to deen being given to a person in india was a very big thing that's another part of it that that award was a 1 million riyal award it was now going back maybe some 35 40 years ago 1 million riyals which was a very big sum but he distributed that entire amount into the madrasas of india didn't keep anything for his personal self so he was a person of very high caliber and this is also just one little glimpse into what was the what was this person all about what kind of heart he had so towards the tail end of his life now he's lived a long life mashallah and he had all this opportunity to see all these things going among the things was that he was a very highly acclaimed historian of islamic history he's written one kitab in eight volumes on the history of islam through the centuries in terms of the great personalities that passed through every era and those who served deen in a very great way translated in english as well saviors of the islamic spirit very great work that he has done in eight volumes so this to write one page also requires one to study so much imagine writing eight volumes how much he must have gone through 
So he was a person who had a very great and deep insight into history as well. Now towards the tail end of his life, he only gathered all his family members. And he addressed them. This was so to say his wasiyat to them. Now in the last part of his life, after having had this experience in this very long life of his, and seen the ups and downs of so many things, having studied so deeply, having written books in this regard, and now he addresses his family, and this is the lesson that he gave them at that time, is what we wish to just repeat today, to take a re- the lesson for ourselves as well. So he gathered his family and he spoke to them and said to them that, look, I have studied history very deeply. And in this cause of study of history, I have seen what is the, what are the reasons that families, or what made, what were the things that made families flourish. Great families of great pious people, of great people who have done great amount of work. What took those families from generation to generation and made them flourish? And I've also seen what brought the downfall. So in the light of this very deep study of history, I'm giving you three lessons. Can we imagine, he's summarizing it in three things. Now number one, he's an alim of such great knowledge that he's highly regarded in the whole Indian subcontinent and in the Arab lands. So he's not just an ordinary person. Very great alim of very high caliber. And then on top of that with such deep insight into history. And then all the other things that go along with it. And a person of such great piety, such great abstinence from dunya, which we understood from this one example. So he is not going to just select something randomly, just whatever it is. He has called his family together to give them some parting advice, we may call it. And he's now got very limited time. He might have been very sick at that time. Allah knows, I'm not sure for that. But it seems like it was something that was very, very brief, concise. And something that he was just now wanting to give as parting advice. So it's not going to be just something at random. Something that has a very deep bearing on so many issues. In fact, it it encompasses everything within it. So now what can be these three things that he gave as parting advice and that too in a very special way to his near and dear ones, to his family and a person of this caliber. All these three things are things that we have heard over and over again. So it sounds quite ordinary. But again bearing in mind this background, who is repeating it, who is selecting this, where he is giving it. And then if we think about it deeply, we'll understand also how deep it is. It goes to the very core of everything. So in any case, the first lesson that he gave them, he said to them, that be very, very conscious about halal and haram. Now we hear this all the time. It's not something new, not something that is repeated once in a blue moon, very common subject and very necessary and now on this occasion he is highlighting this be very conscious about halal and haram 
Now one is halal and haram in terms of what we physically eat, that food that is put into the mouth. So many a times a person is conscious about that, you find people looking at labels also and double checking that the ingredients in this product are all above board, everything is fine and there isn't anything that's doubtful in it and if they're not sure about something, they're double checking and indeed we have to do that. person rather err on the side of caution and not have something because it won't kill him if he didn't have it. But if there was some poison in there which he wasn't aware of it, it will spiritually kill him. It will impact on him. So if he was in doubt about something, he's not very clear about it, what harm it does to him to leave it out. As it is a problem with overeating in any case, so if he didn't eat a few more things, what harm is going to do to us? So rather be on, safe on the side of caution and err on the side of caution than take a chance because a chance maybe there was nothing wrong with it so it's fine and maybe there was a problem because we weren't sure ourselves we weren't 100% Now we took a chance when you take a chance it then sometimes backfires badly Now when the damage is done now the person realized that this was a problem but now what are you going to do about it? already digested in the system and the poison of it is already in the spiritual heart so what harm it did to be safe if it was not a problem then too it still didn't matter if you didn't eat something and it turned out later on that it was fine it was okay at the most we didn't eat it that's all as it is as we said that there's a problem with overeating and then if it turned out that there was a problem in it we were on the safe side we got saved but then it doesn't stop there. That is only the tail end of it. It starts off right at the inception from how we go about earning our livelihood. That everything is done in a way that is clear in terms of Sharia. Above board. Sometimes we feel we cut in corners, it's okay there. As long as what we buy in terms of the physical food, that must be 100%. But if that 100% food that is being bought, which is 100% halal, is bought with income that is already tainted, that's not going to save ourselves from buying something 100% halal. That has already tainted the food as well. So it is not just sufficient to be concerned only about that actual food. Equally important is to be concerned about the means of earning the livelihood. And what is said at that time, for example? What was said to the customer, for example? Now the customer was interested in an item, but then also in doubt. And now to try and convince him, now certain things were said which were exaggerating the situation. That exaggeration will bring a, some issue in the income. Because it's exaggerating, it's putting a person in a kind of deception. And with some degree of deception now you convince the person to buy. Now these things don't cross the mind as well that this will taint the income. So completely keeping above board in terms of what we earn, how we go about earning it. There's no lying involved, there's no deception in it. There's no cutting corners, everything clear and transparent. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says that when the buyer and seller both are honest and upright, both are transparent, both are clear, 
فَإِن صَدَقَ فَإِن بَيَّنَا وَصَدَقَ They are completely transparent, they are truthful, they are honest, they are upright. Then بُورِكَ لَهُمَا فِي بَيْعِهِمَا Both will be granted barakah in the transaction. The buyer will get barakah as well, the seller will get barakah as well. And if one of them has been doing something upside down, then he's destroyed his barakah. And if it's the opposite, فَإِن كَذَبَا وَكَتَمَا Somebody is lying, somebody is deceiving, somebody is hiding some fault or cutting some corners somewhere. مُحِقَدْ بَرَكَةُ بَيْعِهِمَا The barakat of that transaction is destroyed. Now how does that become apparent then? What does that barakat do then? That barakat is gone, so the opposite then comes in. And that then becomes apparent in the kind of actions that then come out of this human being. Because what he consumes, what is his input, that is his output. And this is directly understood from the ayat of the Quran Sharif. Ya ayyuhar rusul, kulu minat tayyibati wa amalu saliha. Allah wa ta'ala addresses the Amiya alayhi salatu salam, addresses the messengers, the most perfect people on earth who came to earth. Those who are ma'asum and sinless. Allah is addressing them. For our lesson. O the messengers of Allah Ta'ala, eat that which is pure, saliha, and perform righteous actions. The Mufassirin explain that this is giving us the link. Pure sustenance will be a means of righteous action. Because what kind of input? That's the output. The input is pure, the actions will come pure. The eyes will be pure. The tongue will be pure. There won't be vulgarity on the tongue then. The eyes won't be looking at all filth. And likewise all the limbs will be inclined towards righteousness. This is often a result where things are haywire and going in a different direction. The result of some problem somewhere in what a person consumed, whether directly or whether via the means that came along, Sometimes this is the reason for it. The kind of input, that's the output. So in any case, this is the first lesson that he gave. The first lesson, that be very, very conscious about halal and haram. Now, as mentioned earlier, this is a topic that is often spoken about. But he selected this because he studied the lives of people in all the eras that passed. And he saw one of the most, the thing that brought about destruction to a very great degree was compromising the issue of halal and haram. Not showing that concern, not being careful and gradually things started drifting and started going down and eventually what led to what. So this was the first lesson he gave them that be very very conscious about halal and haram. Then the second lesson he gave Again, keeping in mind personality of this caliber, giving this parting advice to his family. This is now because he found this so important that if they latch onto these things, they'll save their whole deen. They'll save their dunya, they'll save their akhirat most importantly. So, this is the second advice now he's giving them that if you have to be the Muslim, be the Muslim, but never ever be the Zalim. Because it's 
dunya, all these things carry on. Unfortunately, so now many a times people don't realize what they're doing, don't think how they are conducting themselves, what impact it is having on others. They just go about things in any way, but sometimes it tantamounts to zulm on others. Tantamounts to zulm and oppression. And zulm, zulmu zulumatun yawm al-qiyamah. Nabi Islam says the zulm will be a means of darknesses on the day of qiyamah. The means of darknesses meaning that it will lead to the fire of Jahannam. It will cause a person to fall into the depths of Jahannam because he's, in the darkness he won't be able to cross the full sirat, the, the bridge over Jahannam. And where will it lead him to? So zulm is a very, very dangerous thing. Among the things, many, many things, the warnings are only about the punishment in the akhirat. But zulm is one of those things which the warning is that the punishment comes first in dunya before akhirat. That among the things that brings the punishment quicker, quickest in dunya before akhirat is zulm. But insan is ajib and insan is insan that he is unable to identify this is a result of that. If that was so clear all the time for everybody, then the test of dunya will be gone. Because dunya is a place of tests. So these things are not all the time made as clear as daylight. That this was what happened, this was the end result. If that was the case, then the test of dunya is over. That how we hurt somebody, and how we trample somebody's honor and dignity, and how we cause so much of harm to so many people, and how we did what not, whether it was somebody in our employee, whether it was some neighbor, whether it was somebody in society, whoever it might have been, whatever. Sometimes, let alone others far and wide, how sometimes zulm happens between spouses. But it's not considered as anything because it just becomes a norm. Life carries on. But it doesn't cross the mind that what I might have said tantamounted to zulm. What I did tantamounted to zulm. It sometimes happens between parents and children, either way. And it's not considered as anything, because either of, due to ignorance, or due to these things, just not, not think, we don't think about it. So it doesn't occur to us, despite knowing it, but we don't apply it, that this is where, this is now becoming zulm. So the second lesson nevertheless he gave, that no matter what it might be, rather be the Muslim, don't ever be the Zalim. The compiler of this advice of his, he then writes one note on this point. He says this was a lesson that got left very deeply in his heart from his childhood. His father passed away when he was barely a few years old. He was still a very young child when his father passed away. So his mother brought him up. So his mother brought him up single-handedly. But his mother infused these qualities in him very deeply. And one of the things she was very, very particular about, that he must never ever cause harm to anyone else. Never cause any taklif to anybody. Now especially in that time and period of time in India, especially a servant was, had no position in society, he was a nobody. So a servant had no... Nothing could be ever said 
Anything you say or do, you just carry on life. Don't ask, don't say anything. So now there was a servant working for them. And that servant had a child also staying along. So now one day he says while he was in his childhood, as a young boy now, so he hit the servant's child. So his mother got to know about it. So his mother brought him along and brought that servant's child and came to and now told that child that she investigated the matter that yes this was totally his fault totally wrong what he did so he told that servant's child you hit him now that child had no courage to do it because now this was like hitting maybe his master or something so now he had that much, much of consciousness also these people are our employers or masters or whatever you know, call it so that child just didn't have the courage to do it she's repeating it so eventually she took the hand of that child and she hit him. He says, that left this indelible impression on my heart. Don't ever cause any taklif to anybody. So this was the second very, very deep lesson that he gave. That do whatever it is to save yourself from zulm. But if it comes to one of the two, then be the Muslim, don't be the zalim. It doesn't mean that a person must deliberately put himself in difficulty. He will try to save himself from whatever difficulties may come in his way. But never become the zalim. If there's no way out, rather be the Muslim. Then the third thing that he mentioned to them was that in terms of family relationships, is no matter how badly somebody treats you, you ensure that you treat the person well in return. No matter who breaks ties from you you ensure that you join relationships with them. You don't deal with anybody in the wrong way they dealt with you. You deal with people in a better way. Now the person who compiled this again, on this point again he writes some incident of Hazrat's life to highlight this lesson that he's giving now. He wasn't just talking empty words. He was talking what he loved. And after all, these are lessons from the Qur'an Sharif and from the Hadith Sharif. He's just putting it in his simple words to explain it. But it's derived from nowhere else but the Qur'an and Hadith. And he loved it. He says it was his standard practice that if somebody had come and spoken to him harshly and sometimes abused him, he says it was almost a standard thing that by the time that person left, he would have given him some mithai to eat. Now in India this was a very big thing now, you gave somebody some mithai to eat. It wasn't such a easily affordable thing. So now, that person would leave having eaten some mithai. After some time this became like a joke. That people would now sometimes joke with one another, that long time you didn't eat, you know, if you didn't eat any mithai, then what you should go is go and talk to Maulana in a harsh way, then you leave with some mithai. You go and say some very harsh words to him, you'll leave with some, something sweet in your mouth. It became a kind of common thing, people became so aware of it, that this is his reaction. This is how he will react. And this again, as mentioned, is nothing but the lesson from the Quran and Sunnah. In the ayat of the Quran Sharif, Allah wa Ta'ala says, Idfa' ahsan that you return 
evil with good idfa billati hiya ahsanu sayyi'a you return the evil with good and in this ayat allah says idfa billati hiya ahsan fa idha alladhi baynaka wa baynahu adawatun ka'annahu waliyun hamim you return with a better way allah will remove that enmity also that enmity between you and somebody you give better treatment in return allah will change that into mahabba and love and good feeling there was one person who was a neighbor of imam abu hanifa rahimahullah and he would constantly talk ill of him and he would cause so much of taklif he'd be making a huge din and making things really difficult but every now and again he's saying something abusive and speaking ill so every now and again imam abu hanifa rahmatullahi would send him some gifts this carried on for some time one day this person also came to his senses this man keeps sending me gifts and i still continue talking bad about him and reviling him and doing so many things i must stop this so in any case he stopped it but then as he stopped it the gifts stopped also so he found this very strange that all this while i was carrying on with all this evil talk of mine and reviling him and he was sending gifts to me now when i stopped the gift stopped so he came eventually and asked him that this is very strange i don't understand this so he said the issue was all this while you were sending me more precious gifts which i wasn't able to return in kind you were giving me all your good deeds i couldn't match that i needed mine so i was just giving you in return some small little material things but now your gift stopped too so now it was a mutual thing you were giving me something i was giving you something but this was merely to give him a lesson but subhanallah what a lesson a lesson that this person might have remembered till the end of his life now this is in another ayat of the quran sharif allah tbaraka wa taala speaks about the people who are very fortunate and who will have the abode of jannat for them alladhina sabaru ibtigha'a wajhi rabbihim those who adopt sabr not for any other purpose not out of gaining more dunya or just some other ulterior motive ibtigha'a wajhi rabbihim they are adopting sabr purely for the pleasure of allah taala allah must become pleased doesn't matter what else happens if allah becomes pleased everything is fine ابتغاء وجه ربهم اقاموا الصلاه وانفقوا مما رزقناهم سرا وعلانيه ويدرؤون بالحسنه السيئه ويدرؤون بالحسنه السيئه they repel evil with good اولئك لهم عقبى الدار فدم از ذا ابود اوف جنه ذا ابود اوف اخره ويل فيل سي ذا لايفز اوف ذا فايرز واز فيل وذ ذس كايند اوف لايف دي هاد ذس هارت ناو فورجيت returning evil with good and forget returning good with good the zamana has come such that nowadays people unfortunately so often there's a complaint that the good is being returned with evil a complete revolution upside down gone the wrong way that once upon a time people returned the evil with good now the good gets returned with evil somebody is trying to be good trying to be kind trying to be helpful and then somebody else is still being the opposite so there are so many incidents 
in the lives of the pious of how they conducted themselves when they were faced with these kind of situations. We just mentioned one incident with Imam Abu Hanifa There's another incident about him as well. One person came and slapped him in the middle of a gathering. He is addressing a gathering, somebody comes and slaps him. Subhanallah, can we imagine a person of that caliber and in the midst of people who are so meaning full of awe of him and respect him so highly and now this person comes and slaps him in the middle of this gathering so he addresses him and says to him that look you hit me you slap me if I slap you in return I'm entitled to it but you to the extent you harmed me I'm entitled to harm you but I won't do that and if I wish I can ask my friends to take revenge on my behalf because I'm entitled to it you harmed me but I won't do that also and if I wish that I could go to the Qazi and lay a complaint and he will take the, re- the revenge on my behalf but I won't do that also and then he went on saying so many things in this manner and eventually he said if I wish I can leave it for the Akhirat that on the day of Qiyamah I will then take your good deeds in return but he said I won't leave it for then also if Allah gives me inshallah Jannat Allah Ta'ala gives me the opportunity of interceding on behalf of someone I'll intercede on your behalf and take you to Jannat. Idfa' billati hiya ahsanu sayyah. Subhanallah, what hearts these people had. Now, if we develop this kind of hearts, where will there be problems left? Because dunya is a place of challenges, challenges come around. But with this kind of heart, it's like sometimes there's a spillage. But now a person is trying to mop up the spillage with some piece of wood. What that wood is going to absorb? But he's got a sponge. In a few seconds, that water that spilled or whatever that liquid spilled, it's all clean, dry, like nothing is there. So now that wood is not going to do it. See, the heart is hard as wood. It's not going to be able to take all this challenges of dunya. If it is hard as rock, it can't take anything. It's going to want to bounce it back. But if it is a heart of, that is filled with that softness, that heart which can absorb and take for the pleasure of Allah Taala, Those who make sabr, not for any other reason. That well, I'd rather just keep quiet now because what else can I do? No, no, no. Not because what else can I do? Because I want Allah's pleasure. Allah must become pleased. For them is this ulaika lahum uqbaddar. And subhanallah, if we just consider and ponder over this ayat of the Quran Sharif, it starts off, these are such great things. Number one on this list, Allah mentions about these great fortunate people. They have sabr in their lives. Number two, they establish salah. Now salah we understand, the most important Fundamental of deen after iman. Second on the list, salah. Sabr first because without sabr a person won't perform salah also. In the middle of winter due to the cold, he'll have no sabr, he won't come to the masjid. And in summer because of the early fajr, he won't have sabr to be able to leave his bed, he won't come to the masjid. So sabr will bring him to the house of Allah Ta'ala. And sabr will make him adopt sabr and patience in all the various aspects of life sabr will help him to refrain from sin in the English translation of sabr patience 
it can't encompass what is meant by sabr. Sabr is a very vast concept. So, وَالَّذِينَ صَبْرُوا بْتِغَاءَ وَجْهِ رَبِّهِمْ وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةِ Second is salah. وَأَنْفَقُوا مِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ سِرَّةِ This is zakat. Allah mentioned sabr, salah, zakat, and number four, and they repel evil with good. Subhanallah. Four things mentioned here, and in the line of salah and zakat, Allah Ta'ala mentions this quality of these people and they repel evil with good. Can you imagine in which line this is being placed? At what level it is being positioned? It's not a small thing. Very, very big thing. This is the line in which it is. In the line of Salah, Zakah, They are the ones who will be given their board of Akhirat. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq also. Allah ta'ala bless us with all these great and noble qualities. Make us those who possess this great sabr, this great heart that can forgive, that can overlook. So these are the things that we have to, these three lessons that were given for this, on this occasion by such a great personality. This is what we were to take to heart. Number one, he mentioned halal and haram. Be very conscious. Refrain totally from everything haram and don't ever compromise on the matter of halal. The second thing, be what, obviously save yourself from all harm. But if it comes to a crunch, rather be the Muslim, never be the Zalim. And the third, regardless of how others treat you, you treat them well. No matter who breaks ties from you, you join ties with them. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.
save us from all evils and vices, Ya Allah. Cleanse our hearts out of all the evils and vices, Ya Allah. Enable us to perform our five times salah with jama'ah, Ya Allah. Grant us khushu and khudu in our salah, Ya Allah. Enable us to do all the things you are pleased with, Ya Allah. Save us from everything you are displeased with, Ya Allah. All those who asked us to make dua for them, all who have raised their hands to this dua, Ilahu alamin, Ya Allah, you remove each one's difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Grant each one the best of dunya and akhirat, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's jayas needs, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Ilahu alamin, Ya Allah. Make each one among your special servants, Ya Allah. Ilahu alamin, Ya Allah. Allah, you grant us the shafat of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah, give us jannatul firdaus without any reckoning, Ya Allah. Ilahu alamin, Ya Allah, all that we have asked for, Ya Allah. Out of your grace and mercy, Mercy granted to us, Ya Allah. Whatever we should have been asking and did not ask, Ya Allah. Out of your grace and mercy, grant us that as well, Ya Allah. Allahumma inna nas'aluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa na'udhu bika min sharri masla'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Anta al-musta'an wa alayka al-balaagh. ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه المعين والحمد لله